You're listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will continue with our series called Jesus Is. When Jesus told the disciples to feed the multitudes, he knew they did not have the capability to do it. But when they are willing to bring what little they could gather, Jesus was able to make the little into much. Join us today as Pastor Eugene encourages us to follow a Jesus who has the power to meet our needs and challenge us to partner with him to meet the needs of others. Our scripture text comes from Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 28. Today's message is entitled, Jesus is All-Powerful. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away, so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. We got only two little happy meals. And they answered, and they answered, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up into heaven. He gave thanks. Everyone say, gave thanks. He gave thanks and broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now I want you just to go over one page to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. There's some some things that stand out in this miracle of Jesus feeding the thousands of people. The first miracle, Jesus feeds 5,000. He feeds 5,000. Now, that's 5,000 men. Now, you know if there are 5,000 men, there's a couple of women there. Right? This wasn't a promise keeper rally. Right? I mean, this was Jesus going out, and, and if you read the whole context of the story, the people were following Jesus. And there was a little boy that brings them a happy meal lunch. Now, Matthew chapter 15, we're going to begin with verse number 29. And the Bible says, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And great crowds came to him, bringing the lame. Everyone say the lame. Bringing the blind. Everyone say the blind. They brought the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they laid them at his feet. And he healed them. And the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seen. And they praised the God of Israel. And Jesus called his disciples to him. To him and said, I have compassion for these people. Everyone say, compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. And his disciples answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? And how many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. And he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when they had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And they turned to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. Everyone say satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. 
and the number of those who ate were 4,000 besides women and children. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that in these next few moments that the power of Your Spirit, Lord, today will do what only You can do. I pray that our hearts will be touched with the way that Your hearts were touched. And Jesus, we will see again today that You truly are our God. You are our healer. You are the point of all of our lives. And today we acknowledge that You are the all-powerful One, not just in days gone by, not only in just today, but in days to come in our future. You are the one who has all power. And today we acknowledge that in your wonderful and awesome name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I don't know about you, but I read this. This is very interesting. It's interesting because these two stories are right next to each other. Matthew chapter 14 and Matthew chapter 15. I mean, these are miracles that happen really close to one another. And really the kind of the the strange thing to me is that after Jesus did the first miracle, no, think about it. You're with Jesus. You're hanging out. You're one of the 12. And all of a sudden, you know, Jesus says, hey, I want you to feed these people. You're like, hey, Jesus, we can't. How are we going to feed these people? That's impossible. I mean, we, you know, I mean, we would take it. Matter of fact, John's gospel says that, you know, John, uh, one of the apostles says, Jesus, it'll take like a whole year worth of wages to feed all these people. I mean, that's doing it if Daniel Belay's doing the cooking. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, somebody out doing some super shopping out there and really making it affordable to feed 5,000 or 10,000, probably 10,000 people at least. Jesus is saying, hey, guys, I want you to feed them. And they're like, there's no way. It's impossible. Everyone say impossible. And then Jesus, you know, he does it. He does a miracle. He does a miracle. This is not magic. He does a supernatural miracle. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I like to watch musicians, and I still every once in a while, you know, one of those guys will be on TV, one of those guys got the slide of the hand, and they carve people in half, and, you know, I mean, you know all the kind of crazy stuff, you like wonder how they do it, and, and there's, there's this show called Mythbusters, anybody ever see the show Mythbusters, but I one time I was watching Mythbusters, and they show how they do these, elap- I mean, it's sleight of hand and camera and trick work, it's pretty amazing, but these guys are very skilled at doing things that are tricky that make the impossible look possible. But I want you to know, Jesus didn't make it look like the impossible became possible. Jesus made the impossible become possible. Now, they see it, right? Come on, they're with them. They're with them. They're hanging right there with them. And then, I mean, like one chapter later, like one day later, it wasn't a day, but within a couple of days, they're in the same situation, and they still don't get it. They still don't get it. No, sometimes we look back at these boys and say, hey, I can't believe how stupid they are. But you know what? what I come to realize is that stupid doesn't run too far. Stupid seems to go from generation to generation to generation. And at some point, we have all fallen out of the stupid tree and hit every branch on the way down. Come on, right? I mean, we all have. We've all had times in our life... I mean, where God has shown himself, he's been so faithful to us, and then we get ourselves in a tight place and tight squeeze, and we just can't figure out how it's all going to happen. It's kind of like there's this teacher that I read about this week, and this teacher, she was teaching her kids about, you know, some proverbial sayings. She was an English teacher, and she was teaching them about some, you know, these kinds of colloquialisms that people say. And, and, and so after about three or four days of going through a whole list of them, she decided to give them a pop quiz. And so she would, you know how you do a test, you know, you you got the first part of the phrase, and you got to match it up with the rest of the right, the next part of the phrase, or you got to fill it in. And so, 
she handed out the test, and it went something like this. It's always dark. It's always darkest before. No, wrong. Daylight savings time. Don't bite the hand that. No, all wrong again. That looks dirty. If you lie down with dogs, you'll stink in the morning. Come on, that was pretty funny. And I don't mind is the. No, best way to relax. A penny saved. No, wrong again. Not much. <laughs> Children should be seen and not. Mm, you really wrong on that one. Spanked or grounded. When the blind leads the blind. You got to know your Bible. Know that. Nope, get out of the way. <laughs> Laugh and the whole world laughs with you. Cry in. And you. No, you're all wrong. You got to blow your nose. <laughs> I mean, here's the deal. I mean, even though they had been quizzed all week long, when it came time to take the test, they didn't pass. At least some of them didn't pass. Some of them came up with different answers. And here's the deal. Here is the deal. Jesus is all-powerful in your life. Hebrews tells us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. you got to hear this. This is the Jesus that we serve. This is the God that we serve. The God that we serve is named Jesus. He came from heaven's glory. He gave for a few years. He set aside the prerogative of his deity, and he became man, fully man in the flesh. But whenever temptation came, whenever tests came, whenever trials came, he never failed. The Bible says he was perfect in every way. And because Jesus was perfect in every way, when he went to the cross, when he went to the cross, he defeated not only Satan, but he defeated sickness, disease, lack, poverty. Jesus defeated every curse of the law that came to mankind. Jesus defeated at the cross. But Jesus didn't stop it at the cross, folks. See, at the cross, Jesus went to the tomb, from the cross to the tomb, and there at the tomb, after three days, he arose. Therefore, this morning, we don't worship a dead God. We don't worship an ancient God. We don't worship a God made uh, uh, with the hands of men or stone or gold or some other kind of replica, but we worship a living God, the one God, the true God, and his name is Jesus. Oh, you ought to just come on, shout on that one. His name is Jesus. We worship Jesus. And so what happens is that we're going through the stuff and we forget what Jesus just did yesterday for us. You see, the point this morning, because Jesus is all-powerful and compassionate, he desires to meet your every need. Because Jesus, listen, because he's all-powerful, he's compassionate, and he desires to meet your every need, your every need. See, Jesus' power this morning demonstrates his compassion to meet the basic needs of humanity. Jesus' compassion, Jesus' compassion demonstrates to you and I his desire to meet the basic needs of humanity. Now, this word compassion is interesting. In the Hebrew, there's eight different words that are used for this word compassion. In the Hebrew, there are two different, in the Greek, in the New Testament, there are two different words. And the concept of compassion in the Bible has to do with a deep-seated emotion 
or feeling of empathy or sympathy towards another person. Just It's a deep feeling, deep-seated emotion that we get when we see the need of another person. Now, here's a challenge. Here's a challenge. There are needs everywhere. You turn on the television this week. I mean, I, I was just in Haiti a few weeks ago. I'm watching the news this week, and some of the very places that we had driven around, you know, I'm watching on the news, the rain's pouring down. I'm just thinking, my God, how much more can these poor people go through? Now, if you've never been there, you didn't smell the smells and see the sights and, and hear, the, hear the sounds, it's hard for you. I mean, you can see it, but it's not until you experience it do you really have empathy. And so I have empathy for those people. As a matter of fact, I was, oh, God help us, we want to do more. And in just a couple of weeks, we're going to have Operation Blessing. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. I'm going to show you a video clip. But, but, but we can do, we can help some basic needs of people. But the reality is the needs of people are so great. And so we just shut down. We shut down emotionally. But let me talk to the parents just for a moment. If you're not a parent, it's hard to identify with this. You know, my parents both died very young. They both got cancer, and I felt very sorry for them. I mean, you know, as much as I could feel for a parent, for a parent, my parents, but my children are a different story. You're a parent. Something happens to your kids, right? Come on. You're a mama, and someone messes with your kid. Mm -mm, Come on now. Mm, You're messing with mama bear. Don't be messing with my boy. Don't be messing with my girl. Right. I mean, Someone messes with your kid, and you're like, "Mm, hold me back, Jesus. Hold me back. I mean, I don't care about the Big Ten. I don't care about being nice. I don't care that my name is Pastor Eugene at City Church. Come on. Isn't that true? There isn't a, you you don't get it until you become a parent, until you got real live flesh and blood that come from you. Then you really get compassion. You really get it. And you get it when someone starts messing with your own. And when they're sick, you know, for a dad, yeah, all right, you're going to be all right. Unless they're really, really sick. But, I mean, you know, I mean, but yeah, you got a little bit of sniffle. The mama's over there giving them all this. And you're like, yeah, pop that. Let's get going, boy. We can do it, you know. But, boy, someone starts messing with my kids. Ho, ho. Come on. You say, they said, what to you? Let me tell them what I think about them. Where does that come from? It's a deep-seated sense of empathy, compassion, and identification that you have with someone that's your own. Jesus was moved with compassion. Hear me today. Because he saw the people. He saw the people who were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the hurting, and he saw the hungry. He saw the hurting And he saw the hungry, people who had diseases in their body, people who couldn't see, people who couldn't hear. I mean, Jesus saw them, and it was out of that compassion to meet the need of his children. As a matter of fact, one place the Bible says that Jesus, when he looked over the city of Jerusalem, over his people, over his people, he began to weep. His children, they were the seed of Abraham. They were the promise of God. God promised Abraham that he would have a seed. And from that seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And that seed came from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, all the way down the line to King David. And then came our Savior, Jesus, 
who is called the Son of David. Jesus was compassionate towards people who were hurting. He was compassionate to people who were hungry. Jesus wanted to meet the basic needs. But not only Jesus cared about the hurting and the hungry, Jesus cared about the outcasts. He was concerned. He was deeply compassionate about people that other people had thrown to the side. You see, other people had discarded the lepers of Jesus' generation because they didn't really matter. They couldn't really help out. They were put outside the camp. They, they had diseases in their body. And it, it isn't like the culture of the generation that we live in today where we have the understanding that, you know, not all diseases are contagious or communicable. But, but, but they didn't have the understanding. They just simply knew that this person was sick and he couldn't be part of our community. And they were really concerned about staying clean. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw the leper, the leper came to Jesus. And the leper said, Jesus, if you're willing, make me clean. And that was out of compassion for one of his own. own. Jesus says, I'm willing. I'm willing. Be thou clean. Leper. Outcast. And there were a whole list of outcasts. I mean, there was an adulterous woman. Other, the men caught her in the very act. They drag her out into the public square. They throw her out there, and they say, okay, we're going to stone this woman. And then Jesus steps up, writes something in the sand, looks up. While he's writing, he says, he's without the first stone, ca- he's without sin, cast the first stone, looks up, and there's no one standing. Outcast, woman who commits adultery. Another woman, Jesus goes out of his way to meet a woman by the well. Not only has she been married once, but she's been married five times. And the man she's living now is not her husband. So she's not only an adulteress, she's a fornicator. She's living with someone. And Jesus says to her, Jesus says, I got water. If you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. You won't look for your ultimate feeling of expression, of meaning, significance, love, identity, security in, in another man. You'll find it in me. I will be your God. I will feel the deepest needs of your heart. I will become your Lord. And all of a sudden she realizes, hey, this man is a prophet, goes back and tells her friends. They all come out, and a whole city comes to know Jesus. See, Jesus not only was concerned, concerned about those who were outsiders, but he was concerned about the wayward, about those who had drifted, the prodigal son. God has, has, he's one of his own child, one of his own children, has everything. The Bible says the father went every day and stood at the side of the road and waited for his son to return. And then one day, his son came back. So Jesus was concerned about the wayward of life, those who rebelled against him, the demon possessed, the backslider. Jesus had compassion when he hung on the cross. Even at the cross, it wasn't about his needs. There were two men, one on either side. One went, they were both criminals. They both deserved to die under Roman law. One of them laughs and mocks and dies and spends an eternity separated from God in hell. And the other looks and says, there must be something about this Jesus. And he says, Jesus, when I die, will you remember me? And Jesus says, this day you will be with me in paradise, in heaven. See, he was compassionate towards a criminal. See, when someone gets arrested, we're not, we're not cheering. 
So when someone has a long penalty handled to them because they did something wrong? No. As believers, we realize that it's simply the grace of God. We're a bunch of Pharisees if we judge other people and think that they deserve that. If you got what you deserved, (laughs) if I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be standing here today because I deserve hell. I deserve an eternity separated from God. I'm a chief of sinners. But God had compassion on me. And so that compassion motivates and drives Jesus and everything he does. So what does that mean to us? What does that mean to you and I? You see, the disciples wanted to send the people away. In our city right now, there are great needs. In this city right now, there are great needs, huge needs. There are spiritual needs and there are natural needs. In Acts chapter 1, the very, first wor- the very first verse, the Bible says, these words, Theophilus, that I write to you are the beginning of the testimony of Jesus of all that he began to do and he began to teach. This is Jesus' ministry. Jesus did. Jesus did. He fed the hungry. He clothed the naked. He gave to the poor. Jesus did. But not only did Jesus did, Jesus did healed. See, Jesus came in a ministry of power. He healed the sick. He opened blinded eyes. He caused the deaf to hear. He caused the lame to walk. He caused those who were demon-possessed to be left in their right mind. He was their healer. He was all-powerful. Jesus not only did, not only did he teach, he preached, and he healed. That was Jesus' ministry. He proclaimed the love of God to this generation. In Matthew chapter 25, the Bible says that he was telling his disciples, and his disciples said, well, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry? Lord, when did we ever see you naked? Lord, when did we ever see you in prison? Jesus said, when you've done it unto these, you've done it unto me. I want you to hear the heart of City Church today. The heart of City Church is that we worship an all-powerful God. You see, the thing is, this whole thing was a test to the disciples. It was a test for the disciples. And the test was this. Up to this point, if you read the first 14 chapters of Matthew, it's all about what Jesus did. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus healed the blinded eyes. Jesus did. Jesus did. But all of a sudden, now, Jesus turns the table. Okay, boys, it's your turn. It's your turn. You see, Jesus said, bring me the food, and all he did is he blessed it, and he thanked God for it. And then what did he do? He gave it to the disciples. What did the disciples do? The disciples in turn took that food, and they took that little bit, those two fish, that, that little bit, that, a couple of happy meals, and he blessed them. He thanked God for it. He gave it to the disciples, and the disciples gave it to the whole multitude. And they all ate and were satisfied. And how many baskets were left? Twelve. You know what twelve represents? God's divine government. Don't make a mistake. They saw it. They recognized it. They understood it. And then it happens again. And how many baskets are left? Seven. The number of perfection. The number of completion. See, God in the natural and the spiritual. He is ruler over all. He is all power. He is all power. And then he says this. I give this power to you. I give this power to you. I'm giving it to you. So here we are today, 2,000 years later, serving an all-powerful God. 
I'm in Haiti just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm with this pastor, you know, and it's, it, was, it was devastating. It was just beyond belief. And the pastor in the front seat kept saying, all they need is Jesus, all they need is Jesus, all they need. He kept saying that. Finally, I was like, dude, I mean, if you go to Haiti, Jesus is everywhere. What they need is some people being Jesus. <laughs> they need some people living Jesus. They need some people modeling kingdom life. Not about me, but giving and serving, even among their own people, not just us coming from the outside, because there's really very little we can do. What they really need is to live Jesus. And that's the mission of City Church. The mission of City Church is to bring God's love to this city one person at a time. And you know how he's going to do it? Come on. He's going to use you. The all-powerful God wants to use you to touch this city. He wants to use me. Two weeks, we're going to see the need. We had this operation, this uh, trunk retreat. It was the biggest event we've ever had on this campus. It was, we were overwhelmed by the response of this community. We hardly felt like we hardly even worked it. And we had worship. You know, people criticize. You can say whatever you want. But we had 1,500 people come on this campus who got to hear the praises of Jesus. They got to see a bunch of healthy, happy, holy, humble, faith-filled, fun-loving, born-again Christians being a light to this city. And here, just coming around this corner, we have this vision before us. We're just a few people, a few hundred people, 400, 500, whatever the number is. A few hundred people. But the needs are thousands. The needs are thousands. And about nine years ago, when we were in Altamont Springs, we did Operation Blessing for the first time. And we served 33 people that year. 33 people. And over the years, we've seen this grow from 33 families to last year we gave away food baskets to over 200 and 50 families. 250 families. Can we give King Jesus a great big hand? With the fame of Jesus that's going out from this city because of your love, the number is going to be greater this year. The need is greater this year. Our food bank is literally depleted right now. We're going to do one day to feed the world. I'm going to receive. We're going to bring. We're going to have special guests. We're going to have special guests come in just a couple of weeks on, on a Sunday morning, all three services. And we're going to invite them to come from all over this city. And we're going to open our doors, and we're going to say, we love you. We want you to know that Jesus cares about you. He's the point of our life. And he has all power, and he's compassionate to meet your every need, both spiritual and natural. And we're going to receive a special offering. And what I'm going to challenge you to do is I'm going to challenge you to give one day wage. So you work 30 days in a month. I want you to take that 30 days by your total salary. And I want you to commit one day, one day to giving to Operation Blessing and one day to feed the world. We're going to bring all the money that comes in. And I don't know. I don't know how many. Christina thinks four or 500 we could serve this year. Could be. We don't have the money in the bank account to feed all those people. So I need you to do something. I need every person here to consider this and to prayerfully consider giving one day. We're going to take that offering and we're going to give a portion of it to the Convoy of Hope, the ministry that's giving food that feeds over 45,000 children a day in Haiti right now. We're going to give a portion to them and we're going to, keep, we're going to do Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, a portion to meet the needs right here in our own city. So we're going to take care of this city and then we're going to give the rest of the way to minister to people around the world. Operation Blessing. Operation Blessing. 
on November 21st, all three services. So they have two weeks now. I'm challenging every person to do it. I'm challenging every person in this service to really prayerfully consider. And that's an offering. This isn't your tithe. This is an offering. This is an offering that we're going to give to God so that we can demonstrate the compassion of Jesus in our generation. He's an all-compassionate God. He cares about the needs of every person. You see, the test for the disciples was this. They went from Jesus doing the work to Jesus empowering them to do the work. And that's what Jesus is speaking to us as a church today. And what you're going to see, what you're going to see is at all three services, we're going to see the multitudes of people. But the really cool thing is that we're going to teach them the kingdom of God, that Jesus is their God. And he is the compassionate healer. And he is the point of their life. And he can meet every single one of their needs. And you're going to be part of that miracle. Aren't you excited about that? Aren't you excited about the potential of Jesus using you? I want you to close your eyes right now. I want you to close your eyes right now. And I believe the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit right now, is speaking to every person here. God's speaking to you about what you can do. You can, but we don't have to wait till November 21st. See, right now, Jesus wants you to know he cares about your needs. For some of you, you know, we're, and I've got to tell you, the way that you get your needs met is by meeting the needs of others. But some of you have some really great needs right here today. And I want you to know that Jesus cares about you. He cares about you. You're in the room today. you got a problem. I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me during the time of worship. There's someone here today. you got a really, you got a really perplexing. you got a real big problem in your life. And you've been trying to figure out which way to go and, and the kind of the way that you're going you're not sure about. And God wants you to know if you put him first, if you put him first and you put your trust completely in him, he will make your pastor. He wants you to know that today. There's a person, you're really, you're kind of on the border of the decision that you're going to make. And God's saying to you, I am your compassionate, all-powerful one. Come to me. I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. Trust me. Put your faith in me. Be like a little child. Just believe in me. You do that today, God's going to work it out for you. You're going to see the impossible become possible. If you're here right now and you want me to pray for you, there's no one looking. Just on the count of three, could you just lift your hand? You responded to that, so you know what, I really have a need in my life right now. And I want you to pray for me before I leave today. I'm in the valley of decision trying to figure out which way to go. And right now, I want you to know God's speaking to your heart. If you just look to Him and trust Him and obey Him, do His will first, it's all going to work out. You're going to see it. You're going to see miracles happen in your life, just like it did for these hungry people. If you're here today and you, that's you, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, right on this room. See those hands. Can you leave those hands up? We're going to stand together right now. And just leave your hand up right now. I want you to lift your hand as a sign of surrender to the Lord. Everyone stand with me right now across this room. Tom's going to lead us in a closing anthem of worship. I'm going to pray over you right now. The hands that are lifted, I'm going to ask Jesus to take your life, to make the impossible possible. Lord, I thank you right now that you're the God of miracles. I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you are doing only what you can do. Jesus, we ask for you to supernaturally touch the hearts of your people. Bless them today. Jesus, I pray that not fear, but great faith, the faith of a little child, would be their portion. I ask this now in your wonderful, and your mighty, and your awesome name. In the wonderful name of Jesus. He is the all-powerful, and he's worthy of your praise. Right now, with the song of thanksgiving, you're going to receive 
grace of God in your life. Amen. Let's do it right now. Thanks for listening to this message. Jesus is all-powerful with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407-321-9600.